own food, uh, with the exception of those that were thrown off their land because of debt. Um, so once again, my point is the responsibility to feed ourselves is not Walmart's or the commercial food production supply chain. Uh, I was going to spend more time talking about the geopolitical reasons and nefarious powers of those who would like to see us starve. Famine has been a tool that has been used in the past on our people, from Ireland to the Ukraine, to harm us. And just as we've been put through a pandemic, know that a planned famine could be coming. Already we're seeing food inflation like a snowball just starting to roll out of control. But instead of talking about that aspect of it, I'm going to focus more on a practical solution. What can we do? So look to our forebearers, farming, gathering, hunting, fishing, livestock, food storage solutions, without whose discipline they had, none of us would be here. Um, in the past, uh, like in the American West, stealing somebody's livestock, a lot of places are a capital offense. And that may seem harsh to us, but what you have to realize is stealing somebody's livestock wasn't just an economic offense. If you stole a family's milk cow, you might have been uh, sentencing their children to death. So anyway, so today I'm gonna to talk about a small part about that food production solution. And that one of the most versatile solutions, I believe, is the raising of chickens. So when buying newly, when buying newly hatched chicks, you have several options. Just as different breeds of dogs or cattle exist for specific purposes, so do different breeds of chickens. So primarily there's chickens that are raised for meat production and there's chickens that are raised for egg production. And then there's a multi-purpose chicken, which is more of a historic like heritage breed chickens that, that can fill both these roles. Uh, the most common brand of chicken today is a meat producer that's called the Cornish Rock Broiler. This chicken is very fast growing. It'll achieve a butcher size in just six to seven weeks. This chicken will reach five pounds at that age with just 12 pounds of grain, a yield of four pounds of meat with an incredible three to one meat feed to meat ratio. You can buy these chickens at a feed store for about $3 a piece, or you can get them through the mail for under $2. But if you get your chickens through the mail, keep in mind that you have to buy at least 20 because they require each other's body heat to stay warm during shipping. So one of the biggest enemies of a baby chicken is cold. And uh, you need to keep an environment about 90 degrees for them for the first week to 10 days until, until they get their feathers. Um, I found one of the best ways to start baby chickens is a galvanized horse tank. That's how I start mine. So you have like an oblong horse tank. I cover about a third of it with a piece of plywood, put a heat lamp there, and then the other third, that way the chickens can move in and out of the heat. They can regulate their own body temperature. Um, you start your chickens with a, a commercially available chicken starter, non-medicated. I've never used medication on any of my chicks. I've never had any problem. I think that uh, the medicated feeds are more uh, for large commercial operations that have literally tens of thousands of chickens. 
Um, so at seven to 10 days old, they'll get feathers, they'll replace the, the fuzz that they're born with. As they get older, heat becomes the enemy instead of cold. You need to give them a lot of ventilation. Uh, older chickens are, are they, they will tolerate 40 degrees much better than 85 degrees. So they, it, it, it flips from, from needing to be warm to needing to stay cool. Um, you keep your light, keep an artificial light on your chickens 24-7 is, is, they grow faster. Now your chickens are seven weeks old and they're ready for the freezer. Don't keep your broiler chickens past this point because they will continue to grow very fast and develop health problems associated with that growth. Uh, they'll get bad legs, they'll get heart problems. Um, so now it's time to butcher your chickens. Um, you can make the long trip to Iowa. Uh, I work at Duncan's Poultry Processing. We are a custom processing plant. We process chickens for $2.60 a bird. Uh, people have come this far before. Um, we've got people as far south as Kansas City, as far as we've had people as far west as Colorado. Uh, transporting chickens can be a challenge. They have to have plenty of ventilation. They can't be packed too tight. It, so if I lived here, I would, I would butcher my chickens at home. <laughs> um, so are you engaged in the time-honored tradition of home butchering? So you start, of course, by removing the chicken's head. We use a, a, a killing cone. It's a, a metal cone. Drop the chicken upside down in it. It immobilizes the chicken. That way when they're, you know, the traditional chicken with its head cut off, well, that chicken's going to flop all around, break, break wings, bruise. So the killing cone Im immobilizes it. And uh, once, they're, once they're done flopping, but yet within 10 or 15 minutes, you need to scald the chicken. Uh, scalding is dipping the chicken in hot water, 150 degree water is what you want, to loosen the feathers. Uh, dip them for 45 to 60 seconds, then you can remove the feathers by hand. Or they do sell a machine for home use it's, the brand is called Yardbird. They're about $400. They have little rubber fingers. They're the exact same fingers we use at Duncan's Poultry Processing. Only our machine can hold 10, 12 chickens at a time, and the Yardbird machine, two or three chickens at a time. I seen Dan raising his hand. You have a Yardbird machine? Yeah, they're, they're uh, once, once you've used one, you don't go back to hand plucking, will you? <laughs> yeah, yes it is. Um, if the skin tears on the chicken, then you've either scalded them too hot or too long. And um, so after that, remove the feet, intestines, gizzard, heart, liver, cool them in cold water, cold water, package them, and then freeze them. Or, especially in like a survival type situation, chicken can be canned. Sarah's canned chicken before. Becky's raising her hand, she's canned chicken before. So, so you, you can can chicken, and it, makes, it's, it takes a pressure canner, but if you have a pressure canner, even wood is fuel, and jars and lids, you can preserve chicken. Um, that pretty much covers the meat chicken. The other, the other way to utilize this bird, and probably even an easier way, is egg production. Uh, popular egg-laying breeds are the Rhode Island Red, Bard Rock, and others, these are heritage breeds, they'll, they'll breed true. Um, 
These breeds lay brown eggs. Now, the color of the egg has to do with the breed of the chicken. A lot of people are under the assumption that a brown egg's more healthy, and that's because white eggs have got a bad reputation because the white egg is the commercial egg. But if you, did, if you take a leghorn chicken, which is the commercial egg-laying chicken, if you take a leghorn chicken and you free-range it, you let it, you know, you feed it the, the better food and the better environment, you'll get a white egg that's as good a quality as any brown egg. So the, the egg is, only has to do with the breed of the chicken, not the quality of the egg. Uh, no, you certainly don't. <laughs> yeah, you can have your white eggs. <laughs> uh, Egg-laying chickens are easier to raise than a broiler chicken. Uh, they're more hardy. You can purchase them the same place as broilers. Uh, remember, once again, if you get them through the mail, um, 20 bird minimum. And uh, for the first few weeks, the care is the same. After this, uh, lower protein feed is okay. They can, they can free range for feed even. And you don't have to keep a light on them at night. However, chicken, so they're four months old when they'll start laying. And they'll lay for two to three years. Well, they'll lay for up to four years, but two to three years is gonna be your best production. Chickens lay less in the wintertime because of daylight hours. So if you keep a light on your chickens so that they have access to light like 14 hours a day, their egg production won't drop. It'll stay the same as it was in the middle of the summer. Um, a rooster is not necessary to get an egg. A rooster is necessary to get a baby chick, <laughs> but, but not an egg. So, and uh, most municipalities, even I know Kansas City and Omaha, allow you to have hens. You're not allowed to have roosters because your neighbors don't want to be woke up at 4.30 in the morning listening to your rooster. But, so uh, a self-sustaining breed and flocks will hatch their own eggs. That's called a brooding instinct. Uh, some are better at brooding. Some have better brooding instincts than, than others. When they, when, they, when they focused on breeds for egg production, they, they kind of tried to focus away from breeding insti brooding instincts because uh, they don't want the chicken staying on the nest. They want the chicken laying their egg and getting off the nest. So a bandy chicken, which is a very small chicken, not a real, not a real good option. I mean, not much bigger than a pigeon, really. Uh, they have very good brooding instincts, and I know people who will keep bandy chickens just specifically to hatch their, their, their eggs. Um, you can also incubate your chicken eggs and raise them. It takes three weeks for a fertilized egg to hatch into a baby chick. Uh, let's see. Uh, how you tell if an egg is, is bad, like if you find a nest that you didn't know was there, is if you just uh, uh, drop the egg in water. If the egg has even started to go bad, it will produce uh, uh, gases that will make it float. An egg is barely, barely heavier than the weight of water already. So an egg just barely, barely sinks. If it floats at all, then the egg's no good. So um, that's what I had for notes. Uh, if anybody has any, any questions. Yes? Yes, so if, you won't be able to tell if an egg is fertilized by holding the light to it, but you'll be able to tell if a baby chick has started growing. So after about a, 
so say you have an incubator and you set a bunch of eggs in the incubator, I don't know, about 10 days in, maybe 10 to 12 days in, you can take a flashlight, put the egg on a flashlight. White eggs are easier to see through than brown eggs. But take an egg and you'll see, you'll see veins. You'll see, if you don't see that, then you might as well throw the egg away because no baby chicken started in that egg. But as far as being a newly laid egg, you're not gonna be able to tell if it's fertile or not by candling. But, but you will be able to tell if a baby chicken is, has started in the egg or not. Yes, Tim. Yeah, well, I was just saying that our yeah that that our our charge up at Duncan's Poultry Processing is two dollars and sixty cents a chicken, and we do sixty seventy thousand chickens every season. Yeah, it is. It is. But oh yeah, absolutely. Especially and and I yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah John. Okay, so um, so it takes 12 pounds of feed to, to feed a broiler. You can get 50 pound bag of feed for about $20. So it's gonna be four chickens. That's gonna be about $5 in feed, about $2 for the baby chick, that's $7. That'd be your all-in cost if you're gonna butcher it yourself. If you're gonna pay the homage to it, you'd be at seven, eight fifty, and Two years ago, that wasn't cost-effective. Now that's cheaper than Walmart. Right, it doesn't have, right. Plus, you know what it ate. You know what it ate. Did you have a question, Beck? I see. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Jeff. Mm-hmm. So, so with the broiler chicken especially, you're going to want to maintain at least a 20% protein. Um, uh, Matt Duncan, he also, they grind feed. And so the feed that they grind is 80% corn, 20% protein meal, which is where, or so, excuse me, soybean meal, which is your protein, and then a, a vitamins, a vitamin packet that, uh, and uh, you can buy, I think his feed is like $17 for a 50 pound bag, but he also sells, he'll have people that'll come and they'll buy a thousand baby chicks. And at the same time, they'll bring a flat bed trailer and they have huge totes that hold 1,500 pounds of feed a piece. And I think you're cutting your cost down. So 34, 34 cents a pound bag. And I think unbagged, it's down as low as like 24 cents. So you could cut another dollar off per per bird on the cost of that now as far as doing this on a semi-commercial basis people that want better food than what's commercially available um, the way the laws work is if your chicken isn't processed in a usda a licensed plant it's illegal to sell that chicken however it's not illegal to sell the chicken alive so so we'll get We'll get people, they'll, they'll raise a thousand or more chickens and they'll have 30 or 40 customers that have already spoken. No money has to change hands. It just, an agreement has to be in place. They've already spoken for their chickens and that's completely within the law. 
it's kind of a somewhat of a loophole yes. that's yeah, yes is that the state of missouri or iowa uh the that's the state of iowa uh as far as missouri i don't know of a custom process other than the amish that you're talking about which amish kind of have a special dispensation in most states most 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 government officials and yeah they 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 don't want they it's bad publicity for them to harass amish they yes yeah, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Well, as far as Wisconsin, you yeah. raise up to a thousand chickens, sell them privately mm-hmm. without them being inspected. Yeah, and that's. Then when it comes to selling to a restaurant, like we did, we mm-hmm. did like 5,000 chickens, mm-hmm. and then they have to be inspected. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, I mean, the, the laws recently, on our last inspection, the inspector came in and said that. You can't do over 25 chickens for any individual customer. Uh, that's the law. And he pulled some law out, and I read it. And the law, there's a law in the state of Iowa right now that it's illegal to go to the grocery store and buy over 75 pounds of poultry. It's illegal to have over 75 pounds of poultry in your freezer at home. Yes. Now they haven't they haven't enforced that, but it's it's an it's an anti it's an anti hoarding law. So what the government what the government's worried about is kind of what happened with toilet paper. You know, they're worried that, that they're going to say, well, there's a chicken shortage, and all of a sudden, some guy's going to go into the grocery store and he's going to buy every single chicken in the store. So that doesn't stop them from doing it to beef. When you buy a beef, you've got to do 150. Yeah, I know. Now, this, and, and we made that point to the inspector, the, the very, that exact point with beef. And, and it's, the law is specifically poultry. But, yeah, but it's not, it, it's not, this, we, we, we had to go over the head of this inspector. He, he ran across this law and he just got overly zealous. And once we went over his head, they said, you know, don't. Well, it sounds like uh, you have a more liberal governor because we found when Evers came in as governor, mm-hmm. all the small inspection on all the plants just got really tighter and tighter and tighter. They were just mm-hmm. in anything to get rid of these small. Yeah, Iowa went through that too back during the Obama administration. Uh, Iowa went through that, even though a lot of it's like, like for instance, like Nebraska has no state meat inspection. It, everything is done on a federal level. And uh, so even though we're being inspected by the state, the, um, the, state, the state guys are trying to enforce federal law. And so it's just, it's just kind of a, hodpo- a hodgepodge of laws and it's just uh, the, the federal system that they have is, is a mess on a lot of levels. You know, but uh, but yeah, we've so far being able to sell the chickens alive is is what is what we've been able to do. As long as the the inspector that's above the inspector that was hassling us said, you know, they they actually they actually gave this as an example. They said, just as a locker can have a a beef come in, and they can say, hey, half this beef is sold to my neighbor Smith, but my neighbor Jones, the guy that owns the locker, can say, well. Jones wants another half of beef, and as long as that phone call is made before the, before the cow is killed, that's okay. So they're like extending the idea of selling live meat to a half of beef. Now, how can you sell a half of beef alive? Obviously, there are no pastures with half of beef walking around. So, so, so they said, just as you, if you can do that, we're letting them do that with beef. Then they said, then they said well, certainly you can do it with chickens. And any any type of any type of agreement that's in place, um, 
to have the chicken sold, you're fine. But once again, like all laws, it, it basically, you know, laws are written words on a piece of paper, and that's not the law. What the law is, on a practical level, what the law is, is what somebody says it is. Yeah. What they choose to enforce. And, and just like I said, they have this, and it's scary. It's scary law. They have a law in the books right now in Iowa that you're not allowed to buy or possess over, 20, over 75 pounds of poultry. Right. Well, it's just not. I mean, with just, just a little bit of wisdom and cleverness, you can easily store exactly plenty of, plenty of food and freezer exactly. Yeah, yeah, and, and you can see the yeah, and the, and the motivation. I believe the motivation behind the law wasn't necessarily a hundred percent nefarious. I think it was exactly what they said it was to stop hoarding. They don't want somebody coming into the store hearing a rumor of a poultry shortage and wiping out every grocery store in Nevada of all poultry. Sure, yeah, take home and pick up. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, so, um, when you, when you buy a chicken at the store and it has a label free range on it, the, the rules behind that are incredibly liberal. Uh, it, it only has to, that chicken has to have had access to be able to go outside at some point in its life. There, there's, there's chickens being raised in barns. They'll have 10,000 chickens and their free range area is a quarter the size of the stadium I'm standing on right now. And the odds of any chicken ever getting outside at any point in its life are extremely low. And uh, as far as um, uh, like the broiler chicken, you know, that's for fast and quick meat production and good grain to meat production, that, that chicken isn't interested in being free ranged. That chick, if you want that chicken to exercise, you just gotta put its water farther from its food. <laughs> Because that's how far it's going to go. <laughs> now, as far as uh, like like a Bard Rock or, or a, a, a Rhode Island Red or any of the heritage breeds of chickens, they can just about support, especially in the summertime. They, they can support themselves. They'll support themselves on bugs, and and it's a different it's a different type of meat too. It's a it's a, it's different. It's it's a little bit tougher. It's darker. It's better for chicken soup. <laughs> Probably not better for the frying pan, but, but uh, yeah, but as, as far as the, the labeling, it, going to the store, when you go to the store and you buy stuff that's labeled free range, organic, or naturally produced, or a lot of these things, um, a lot of times it don't mean much more than the words that's on the package in practicality. Yeah, Tim. Right, and that's a whole—that's a whole other category. You can use GMO and still call a chicken organic. You can. In the, yes, you. Well, maybe in Wisconsin, maybe maybe in Wisconsin, where in, in Iowa, if the if the grain is raised a certain way, then it can still be called an organic chicken. But the whole thing is, there's been organic um, uh, feed producers. That have been busted for dishonesty. You know, really, the only way to, and that's one of the reasons I want to talk about this too. That maybe I didn't make this point clear enough. But really, the only way to really know what you're eating is to grow what you're eating. Yeah. 
that's that's the only way you know with any certainty. Yes. Yes. We we do. We do. We we have we have a producer that um, won't feed his chicken soybean meal, and so he's been experimenting with other um, alfalfa pellets. Um, I think maybe even fish meal. He said. Um, so far, and he still, he'd be the first to tell you he's still trying to dial it in. So far, he's not getting, he's not getting the growth he wants right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, there, there is a segment, especially now, uh, and as far as soy for human consumption directly, everything I've seen, probably not a great idea. As far as going through an animal, I, I don't know. But yeah, there, there are people who won't feed their chicken soy protein. Well, I can tell you that the chickens that we see, that I see come through, that their source of protein was soy, look, look good. Yeah, Tim. The pellets? Well, those have, uh, corn is the number one ingredient in almost all the commercial feeds, and they probably have soy in them as well. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff? Yep. Those particular breeds do very well that way. They can they can basically feed themselves. Both both those breeds are good heritage breeds. They've been around a long time, and uh, and they're 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 good size. They're pretty good size for a, for a heritage chicken. I mean, uh, especially like a Buff Orpington. I mean, they can dress out four pounds pretty easy, three and a half four pounds. I have three dogs, and I've not lost to, to wildlife chickens. They're pretty pretty diligent, and uh, and they leave the chickens alone, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be compatible. Yes. I wanted to make a comment. Yeah. Okay. Are you using like a Red Ranger or what? What kind of chicken are you yeah, raging? The, the broiler, corn the corn stock broiler. Yeah. yeah. And nobody in there. I mean, they're two weeks of age when we put them out, and haven't had any problems. And we're getting them too big in eight and nine weeks. Yeah, so I believe. The six, maybe even seven pounds. Yeah. And never had a leg go out on any of them. Yeah. I think it is because they're out on pasture and they're getting that extra whatever it is. Plus, 
Are, are you familiar with the Red Ranger chicken? I'm just starting to see the. I'm just. I'm just starting to see those in the last couple of years, and people are having a lot of success with tractor uh, raised chickens with the Red Ranger. It, it's basically it's a it's red, <laughs> but it's once processed, it pretty much is a broiler, and and it and it can um, it's more hardy and it can survive. You know, on pasture basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, they're they're more wild, and and it's going to take a couple more weeks to get them to the size you want them. Yep. Yes. That's what I was going to say right there. Yeah. Well, no, I don't know, but I didn't. I'm not familiar with the different color light, but I know that a lot of times it's a feed issue when they peck each other. But as far as chickens that are pecking each other, or or, or say hens that start eating their own eggs, you can talk to a lot of old time farmers, and a lot of them, they'll have all kinds of different solutions for that. As far as I can tell, from personal experience, there's only one solution. Yeah, it's the final solution. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jeff. Yeah, you really, what is it like one rooster for every 20 hens, something like that is, is plenty of, otherwise, plus you're just, you're, 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 feeding, you're feeding a rooster, you're just feeding a bunch of roosters for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. Eat. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That's what the book says you're supposed to have two square feet per bird. Yeah, I should have covered that. Yeah. Yeah, Tim. That's interesting. Hmm. That's interesting. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, Tim. Yep, they will. Yep, they'll put themselves right back to bed. Wherever they roost, they'll go back. <laughs> Yeah, eventually, yeah. I got a dog that turns walks around all day. Yes, Cherokee. Well, once again, I've heard, I've heard a lot of different solutions for that as well. Um, 
some of them probably wouldn't, wouldn't pass humane society scrutiny. <laughs> My, my, my grandfather had a, had a dog that was killing chickens, and I remember this from you know, 45 years ago, and he tied a dead chicken the dog had killed around the chicken's neck and, and left it there like in the middle of the summer until that chicken rotted off that dog's neck. And that dog, from that point on, if that dog saw a chicken 100 yards away, it ran the other way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you can get through the dog's head that you don't want it to do it, maybe it'll stop. <laughs> It got the point. That's just like children. I found that you have to catch your children in a very active good discipline. Yeah. Uh, you can't really get good discipline if you wait 24 hours later or something like that. No, I like that. If it happens again, I would try to work on That's what I was saying too. If you if you get hens that figure out that the inside of an egg tastes good, yeah. you, you, as far as I'm concerned, you gotta you gotta butcher those hens. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah, they like tomatoes. <laughs> I don't have any personal experience uh, doing it. I think that 
I think some of the idea is that when you're water chilling a chicken, it's taking on some water weight. Yeah, I think it's like 7%. Yeah, and you know, and so you're, you're buying water. Um, I, I know, I'm not real sure that that's, that's an area I'm not real familiar with because I know that when we butcher chickens, if we let the chicken sit on the table for a while, their, um, the skin kind of dries out. It's like a glazed look to it. You, anybody that's butchered, you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, so I'm not sure how they air chill chickens and they still end up with a that's that's something I need to look into, but yeah, we 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 water chill, and that's the traditional way to do it. Yeah, 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 and they're more expensive. Yeah, yeah. So whatever process they're using, plus they can't sell you water. So. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Pastor. Uh, we do cut up chickens as well. Uh, we don't go to boneless, nothing boneless. So if somebody wants their chicken cut up, we just do a traditional cut up with a, with a, with a knife. You know, so you get two legs, two thighs, two wings, cut the breast in half, split the back long ways, and throw it in a package. But most of the chickens we do are whole, just whole chickens. And we do some chickens where... Uh, we don't even package them, you know. We just they, they'll bring a big tub with ice, and then they go home and do whatever they want with them. You know. In years past, and we don't do this anymore, but in years past, we used to have people bring chickens in, and uh, we would kill them, scald them, pluck them, and then send them home. They take them home and gut them. You know, we we did the we did the the hardest part, I guess. But yeah, we we've not had. Any requests for that lately? <laughs> yeah, Jeff. Two other efficiencies. Maybe you haven't been here or you know, but like all of our table scraps, watermelon rinds, everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yes, Tim. Well, uh, that when I mentioned non-medicated feed, that's uh, I think it's toxidiosis that they're trying to prevent, which we we've not run into. I think a lot of the a lot of the diseases uh, affect the large producers a lot more. I've never had a problem with disease in my chickens. Um, not saying that I won't. But, I mean, if I had chickens that were just suddenly sick and flopping over, I'd probably take them to the extension office, you know, and say, what's going on with my chickens? <laughs> yes, Dan. We've got a couple uh, flocks from Wisconsin that were eliminated because of the uh, bird flu. Yeah, yeah, we, we had that in Iowa, too, where they came through. And, and, uh, and just now, our county, Harrison County, Iowa, is starting to bring in commercial chickens just in the last four or five years for the first time ever. And they'd love to see our little plant gone. They'd love to see every backyard. The commercial guys would love to see every backyard chicken operation gone because they consider them all a risk, an economic risk to what they're doing. Plus, plus competition, as small as it is. I mean, they, they can have 99% of the meat market, and they want the last 1%. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I had.
So yes, Dan. Uh, so for poultry, we go from April until the day before Thanksgiving, and um, uh, like in September, we're probably only going about three days a week. But like in June and July, it's six days a week. And then coming up here when I get back, October, November will be six days a week. Coming up because we do turkeys as well. Yeah, yeah. We do, we do. We just started that last year, so that's uh, opening day of uh, deer shotgun seed in Iowa was the first Saturday in December. We did a hundred deer last year with no advertising, word of mouth, and and just kind of a rolling start. And I think this year we'll probably do at least three hundred. Okay, so there's there's we have two. One one is chicken processing plant. Uh, Matt Duncan built a large chicken processing plant with the idea of being USDA inspected. And they just, and he did that for a while, they just drove him nuts on it. So that's what we're doing deer processing. And it's, I don't know, I don't know, 1,000 square feet or maybe 15, I don't, I don't know exactly how big it is, yeah. Do you do beef? Uh, I've done, we've done one. Now I, I have experience in processing beef. Uh, because I used to have a locker plant in Nebraska that did beef. I've done, I did one beef for the Duncan fan themselves and we are, we are gonna expand into doing beef. We're gonna use that. Uh, really all we're waiting on now, he just bought a meat saw and we're waiting on, um, um, we gotta build some sort of outdoor pens and everything. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to doing that. And, and plus we'll be processing beef in a facility that will never have had pork. In the facility and and you know and, and we all we all do the best we can to to follow God's law however at least I'm speaking for myself not trying to throw judgment on anybody here I know I've eaten eaten beef in facilities that have butchered pork and it's probably something most of you don't want to even think about you know but um, but so we're, yeah, we're looking forward to that because this will be a facility that's never had a pig in it. Sure. Yep. No. Yeah, no, that was pretty much a disaster. <laughs> yeah. That was a response to, to government uh, persecution. Yeah. And so they figured, well, we'll just go to the farmer. We'll go right to their farm and do it right there. But it's just, it, it's hard. I mean, economically, it's just a lot better. Because we'll do, on an average day, we'll have 15 different customers. You know, you simply can't load up a trailer and go to 15 different farms. So it, it really curtailed the numbers that, that we're able to get. But yeah, the mobile. But that's true. But 20 years ago, they were doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, when I, when I had my meat processing plant in Nebraska, we did chickens there as well. And uh, I started with Wade Duncan, Wade and Matt Duncan. I started uh, Duncan's poultry processing when I was 15. And um, then I'm, I'm a plumber by trade, 
which I don't like working. I want to I want to get out, and I'm still doing some of that. But I want to get out of the big city. I hate I hate working in the city, and uh, so I was in meat processing, and then um, uh, Pastor Wiki offered me a job, and I moved out to Indiana to be able to go to Wiki's church and and for the job, and I worked in the fiberglass their fiberglass plant for a decade or so, and then eventually um, 2008 you know, the housing crisis and everything, that slowed down, and I ended up moving back to Nebraska, went to work in the family business, which is plumbing, and, uh, you know, and I just, I just told Matt Duncan one day, hey, if you guys ever really need help, let me know, and it went from me working four or five times a year to working every time they're open, yeah, so, and I enjoy it, it's, it's what, my calling Well, I mentioned that you, you mean for themselves or on a, on a semi-commercial basis, like, like a custom, like, like, what, like what Duncan's are doing? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Well, when we started, we, uh, we took an electric hot water heater. Maybe it was gas, doesn't matter. Anyway, we cut it in half, and that's what we used for our scalder. And we just took the chickens like this and dunked them like that, and then eventually we bought a, a scalder, and our scalder, it's... It's about this big. It'll hold about a dozen chickens, and it's got a it's got a plate at water level, and the water and then it's got a propane burner keeps the water at 150 degrees. You put the chickens on top of the plate. You hit a button. The plate spins. So chickens are underwater. Chickens are above water. Chickens are underwater. Chickens above water. Does that for about 45 seconds. Then you take them out of that, throw them into the plucker. Plucker spinning around. You have another group. So you're constantly you're killing, scalding, plucking, and so the scalder's going, the plucker's going, and you're killing all at the same time. And, and one guy can run 200 chickens an hour that way. And, and so just, just with those small pieces of equipment, you're talking about, I don't know what they would cost now, you're probably talking less than $15,000 of equipment. One guy can take chickens to the point where they're ready to be eviscerated or, or gutted at the rate of like 200 an hour. That's big, big labor saving. Yeah. Yes, Dan. And that's what, about $400? 500. 500, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's the exact same technology that we're using, it's just smaller. Yep. I usually get their I usually get their mistakes. Yeah, the last the last hundred chickens I raised was a was a mistake on their part or or the hatchery's part. I don't know whose part. All I know is Matt said, "Hey, there's a hundred chickens here, and you need to take them home." And I said, "I I said I have my freezers are full. I don't need more chicken." He said, "Well." He said, you take them. He said, you can throw them in the dumpster if you want to, but I'm not going to. <laughs> so I took them home. We, we just processed those the day before we came here. <laughs> uh, I, I sold those chickens and I made enough money to buy the plucker. Yeah. For my, for my small lift, I 
Yep. Yep, rivet it. Yep. That's the slowest part yeah. of the process right yeah. now. We're letting them we're using, we're using uh, uh, 18 killing cones. So, yeah, so then, right, so in the process, yeah, and, and we're usually plucking and scalding about nine at a time. So, so the process that I described to you, where actually there's two stations of chickens that are dying. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and then that way you can keep it all going all going through. Yeah, Tim. No, uh, commercially they have a, um, they hang the chickens up by the feet and they cut their throat. I don't think they even cut the head off, but they cut their throat and then the chickens flopping propels them down a, um, a track. And as they're flopping down that track, then they'll hit a, a button on the rail and then they'll automatically get dunked like that. For certain, and then they'll come back up, and they're back on the rail, and then they go over, and then they'll drop into a uh, a plucker. Yeah, and it's a big one. Yeah, and then and then I think they get hung back up, and then they get, um, I think, believe machine gutted, which, you know, is is why I mean, a chicken when you get chicken in the grocery store, like along the backbone, those are those are kidneys, and they're going to be in the backbone and everything. The chicken isn't going to be as clean as 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 a chicken that. Dan would do or we would do. Yeah. Yes, Jeff. I'm sure a lot of commercial processing uses like bleach or fluoride, which is not as healthy. Uh, they do. So there's a, um, um, what goes in the water to kill the bac bacteria in commercial plants is, is hydrogen peroxide. It's a type of hydrogen peroxide. So I don't know. I used to think, it, I, I used to think it was bleach too. I even told many people it was bleach. But I, uh, I recently looked into it, and it's, it's actually a hydrogen peroxide solution, which doesn't sound as dangerous to me as bleach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and then th that's what they used to be. And, and that is a difference because the chicken commercially produced is made to be able to sit on a shelf for a while, like 10 days, two weeks maybe. A chicken that you butcher at home, I know, and Dan probably verify this too, if, you, if we take a chicken and through our process and we put it in the refrigerator, five or six days is too long. Yeah. Because it's not been sterilized. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the big ones. <laughs> yeah, they do. That's really good, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, for, for uh, what I'm looking at, though, is 
Yeah, the drum that spins like this and you hold the chicken against it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I did that as a, as a child, too, and it's just a lot of these things are, um, you know, we can't let this knowledge get away. Yeah. Yes, Tim. <laughs> well, my, my 18-year-old son works, works with me in the chicken, in the chicken plant, so. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Porky pig. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, that's all I had. If unless there's more yes, Pastor. Uh, Bobby, if, if people have access to eggs, if they have chickens, they have a source of meat if all else fails. Mm -hmm. They have milk. They have essential item they call milk. Yeah, and the, the idea of producing all of our own food seems daunting, and seems daunting to me as well, but compare it to our ancestors. I mean, how much easier would it be for us? When we talk about the, the yard bird machine, and even, even with the power grid going down, many of us have generators, we have fuel, we have, I mean, it's, if, if they could do it, if, by they I mean our ancestors, if they can do it, we can do it. <laughs> yes. Well, I have barred rocks at home. I like, I, I think they're pretty too with the speckled and yeah, they, they get pretty good size and they lay, they lay well. Uh, they'll lay five eggs a week, a barred rock hen will. Um, it's, no, a barred rock is a, it's, it's, well, yeah, <laughs> it's going to say black and white mix, but I don't know if I want to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like speckled. Yeah. Yeah, that's another that's another good heritage breed, and uh, they're not quite as big as a barred rock. They're a little little bit smaller. Yeah, buff orphans are nice. They're I would say they're a little bit bigger than a barred rock. They can. Uh, roosters, ro roost, roosters will. Uh, 
Like no roosters ever, but they went after Abigail before. Roosters will pick on little kids sometimes. Yeah, yeah, they can be mean. Yeah. Yes. But they were sort of a taming influence on Julie. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The rooster attacked Abigail, and I said, "Well, what do you want me to do with it?" She said, "Kill it." <laughs> so. Yeah, they are. Yeah, it's pressure cooker. <laughs> yes. That's right. Yeah, Tim. What's overwhelming to me is thinking about what's coming. Yeah. Well, it I mean it starts with knowledge. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I, I remember my, my dad sleep with a 12-gauge by his bed, and he could hear a chicken. He'd sleep through absolutely anything, but if a hen made a little, slice little squawk, he was wide awake with a gun in his hand out the door. So, anyway, that's pretty much what I had. The, yes? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know. There's maybe a hot pepper or something in it, or yeah, yeah. Because I've heard of I've heard of people doing that. We were talking about solutions for eating eggs. One of the solutions is blow blow the the egg out of the egg. You just make a little hole on each side, and you can literally just blow the insides of the egg out and fill it up with cayenne. Yeah, I believe that. And and uh, also, we uh, you you can buy fake eggs. That's another that's another possible solution. Yep, ceramic eggs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if if you sell eggs, you throw if you sell eggs, you throw one of those eggs in the eggs you sell, and then you tell the person you sold it to that some of these eggs have really hard shells. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you guys for listening to me.